You're listening to the Witch in the Woods podcast, season one, episode 10, They Know. This is the rest of the herbs, Mamichka. All that we have stored and dried over the years. I thought it might be more. Yes, well, we really have had a problem with slugs. It will be enough. Mamichka, are we really preparing to leave? Yes. And soon, I hope. What about that child's brother? Are we going to help him? If we can. You heard what he's going through, and you know what that means. Yes. Mamichka, if it's truly what we think, we are the only ones who can help him. Yes, but doing so will waste precious energy and alert other beings to our presence. What is one child compared to the fate of the world? Of course. But, you know, maybe after we save the whole world, we can come back to, you know, check on him? Grimalkin, are you actually concerned about a human being? No. I just don't like breaking promises, that's all. Yes, you do. You live to break promises. I'm just saying, Mamichka is bound to help them. It may not bode well for our quest if she is leaving behind unfulfilled promises. Bah! What is our plan, Mamichka, when we return? We're going to need help, and once we leave this shielded place... Don't you think I know that, Barnaby? But I can't reach our allies without lifting the shield, and that will leave us exposed to all that want to find us. I finally have the energy to build an army, and I'm stuck. Let's just focus on getting back. Once we do, then we can recruit in person, and- And we'll be found in minutes. As soon as we break through the veil, they will know. Mamichka could be as weak as she was when we landed here, and then what will we do? She was only so weak here because she's so far from them. Once she is back- We don't know what might happen. I must find a way to gather our allies without alerting anyone else. I wonder. Yes? They'll be looking for me, for my magic signature. They may not recognize yours. Mine? Yes. What about me? You're projecting the shield, Grimalkin. We can't risk having that slip. But, but I'm not magic. I don't know how to cast spells. No. But maybe I can cast through you. If I cast a scrying spell, they will recognize me in seconds, and they'll follow the trail back here. But if I cast it through you... Barnaby's signature will be different. They won't recognize it as yours. But they do know me. Won't they recognize me? Your magic signature is different than who you are. It's more about how much power you are able to project. They will see you as a novice and will pay no attention. Think of all of the magic happening all around the world at this given moment. Every second that passes, thousands of spells are being cast. They are only looking for the strongest magic. Still, if they dig through the signal enough, they will find you underneath his. All the more reason to act quickly. Who should we try to contact first? It should be someone close to our proximity. It will be less noticeable if we can send a shorter signal. Yes. Mamichka, it's been almost 100 years. What if our allies have taken up with the other side? Surely not. Most of them wouldn't exist without humans. 
Besides, one hundred years is but a blip to these immortals. Yes, but who knows what lies they've been telling in your absence? Who knows what others think happened to you? Our allies may not have had a choice. All the more reason to make contact. We will learn much from our conversation if this works. Okay, Barnaby, I need you to concentrate. Look into this water and repeat after me. Oh, the children! I was so distracted I didn't notice their arrival. You both keep going. I'll go greet the children. Okay, Barnaby. I need your complete focus. Is it going to hurt? No. That is... I don't think so. I'm coming, I'm coming. Keep your pants on. Well, good afternoon, children. Hi. I brought you something really special today. Something not quite so bloody. Really? I... What's that? Um, Mamichka is clipping Barnaby's toenails. In the cellar? Yes. Well, he screams and bangs around a lot. He's kind of a baby. Why don't we stay outside? Okay, it's kind of chilly out. You'll live. Actually, I have an idea. Something I'd like to show you. Follow me. Where are you going, Grimmy? Grimmy? Why in the world would you call me that? I thought you might like a nickname. I was just testing it out. Well, your test failed. I hate it. If you're going to call me something other than my given name, then at least make it less froofy. How about Her Majesty Queen Grimalkin, Slayer of Mice and Men? Now we're getting somewhere. How about Mighty Grimalkin, Bloodthirsty Beast, who'll scratch your eyes out? That one has a little less finesse, but I still like it. Are you leading us to a creek? Something like that. We're almost there. You're not going to feed us to a hungry siren, are you? Like from the story? Nah, sirens wouldn't eat you. They'd just drown you. Okay, are you leading us to a siren to be drowned in? If I wanted to kill you, I'd do it myself. Why doesn't that make me feel any better? Here we are. Whoa! It's like a fairy pond! How is there a pool of water here? There's no creek leading up to it, and it hasn't rained lately either. Stop asking so many questions and just take a look. Tell me what you see. It's so beautiful. I've never seen water like this. Are there things? I mean, is something living in there? Oh yeah, I can definitely see something moving around. Whoa, is it getting brighter? Yeah, the color of the water. It's getting more vibrant or something. It's working. There's fish or something in there, but they look, like, see-through, don't they? I'm gonna catch one! No, Boz, don't touch it! Boz, don't you dare! Jeez, okay, I won't! Oh, hey there, Barnaby. Didn't hear you sneak up, which is amazing, because you usually sound like an elephant tromping through these woods. What are you doing? Why did you bring them here? Just wanted to see what would happen. Come on, children. Let's get you headed home. But but we didn't even get our stories. (sighs) Fine. Let's just move away from here. I know another place we can sit and talk. Can't we stay a little longer? I want to see... No. Grimalkin shouldn't have brought you here. Where exactly is here? It's none of your business. Jeez. 
You're being grouchy today. It's just not safe for you to be here, okay? Let's just... leave it at that. Well, now that just makes me more curious. Too bad. Are we really in danger? Barnaby likes to exaggerate. Just come sit over here, okay? Do any of you know how to light a fire? I do. Go ahead, then. There's some firewood right over there. Help Ari gather some, won't you, children? Barnaby, is Rosa going to join us? I have Dave's shirt. Not today. Mamichka, she's not in the storytelling mood, but I will bring her the shirt. Can you help the others gather wood while I have a word with Grimalkin? Sure. What were you thinking? I thought if they got close, we could siphon energy directly. Did you see how that water reacted? I bet Mamichka feels like a spring chicken. You almost ruined everything. That stunt took my signal from novice to expert in a surge so big, everyone in the magic world must have felt it. Oh, no. Luckily, it was like a dynamite blast. Loud and bright, but short-lived. Mamichka cut off the signal, but it happened before we could reach anyone. I'm so sorry, Barnaby. I really thought it would help. You should have known the dangers. Besides that, you showed the children our most valuable resource. What we've been working so hard to protect. What if they lead others to it? You know they won't be able to get back there. They were only able to see it because I allowed them to. Still, Mamichka isn't going to be happy with you. Barnaby, I'm scared. Are you sure we're safe out here? You're safe with us. What if a werewolf comes running out of the woods? It's the middle of the day, not a full moon at night. You sound ridiculous. Okay, well then, what about a Bigfoot? I bet there's one of those around here. There's not a Bigfoot within a hundred miles of here. How do you know? They have a distinct odor. Wait, so Bigfoot are real? Yes, there's families all over. Of course, they don't call themselves Bigfoot, and I wouldn't suggest using that name if you run into one either. It's a little offensive. What do they like to be called? Well, it's kind of hard to say in your language. It's kind of like... (laughs) That's not it. (laughs) You just said tree feathers. Give me a break. I haven't talked to you in over hundred years. Uh, yeah, they're few and far between these days. Their preferred term in the human tongue is Sasquatch. You've really met one? Can we hear about them? Uh, you don't want to hear about them. They're boring. I don't think they sound boring. They just aren't scary. They're gentle giants. But I've heard they're bloodthirsty beasts. That they'll hunt you down and- Bloodthirsty? Ha! I've seen them cry in anguish when they accidentally step on a bug. Wow. They have been protectors of the forest for hundreds of years. They try not to resort to violence, but if any harm has come to humans at their hands, it's in defense of the trees. I think these sound lovely. Now I actually want to meet one. Well, forget stories about Sasquatch. Let's talk about something scary. I have a good one.
Julie and Lizzie were college dorm mates and had become close friends. Julie was getting ready for a big party, while Lizzie was grudgingly spending yet another night in sweatpants, chugging energy drinks and grinding through her research paper. Are you sure you don't want to come? Dude, I would love to, but this paper is killing me. If I go tonight, there's no way I'll get it done. Blow it off. You'll still get like a C in the class. (laughs) You are such a bad influence. How late were you up last night? I'm not even sure. I just kind of passed out on my computer at some point, but I know it was past 3 a.m. And how many of those have you had today? What does today even mean? Since I woke up today or, like, the past 24 hours? I think I'm scared to know the answer either way. Look, I've got, like, 12 hours to finish this thing, and then it'll be over. I still think it was cruel of your professor to have it due on a Friday. He could have at least given you the weekend. Yeah, but at least now I can sleep the whole weekend. Just warning you that I plan to email this paper at some point before 9am, and then it's lights out for the next 48 hours. (laughs) Fair enough. (gasps) Okay, well, I'm going to head out. Text me if your heart starts beating too fast or if your eyes pop out of your head. Will do. Lizzie sighed as she watched her best friend leave to have an amazing night, then reluctantly turned back to her paper. She was hoping that she might finish it quickly and be able to join Julie for a bit, but realistically, she knew there was no way that was going to happen. Meanwhile, Julie entered the party and knew immediately that she was in for a great night. She saw that her crush, Gabe, was already in a circle with a group of her friends, and it was easy to join them and strike up a conversation with him. They continued talking all night, and when the party started winding down around 2 a.m., the group decided to keep hanging out at the local all-night diner. Open 24 hours a day and serving the best pancakes she'd ever had, the diner was a favorite of Julie's. She excitedly agreed to the plan, but let the group know that they'd have to stop by her dorm on the way so she could grab her wallet. The group made their way across campus, Julie's head buzzing as she felt Gabe reach out and take her hand as they walked. I'll be right back, guys. Maybe Lizzie is done with her paper and she can come. Julie slipped inside her dorm and quickly made her way up the stairs. She was grinning from ear to ear and couldn't wait to tell Lizzie about Gabe. She opened their door, the words on her lips, but immediately shrank back when she realized the room was dark. Lizzie. There was no answer, so she quietly tiptoed over to her desk to grab her wallet. Poor Lizzie, she thought. She must have finished her paper and passed out. Julie had half a mind to wake her up and drag her to the diner for some fun, but she knew that Lizzie needed some rest. She tiptoed back out of the room, gently closed the door, and rushed back into the night to Gabe and her friends. They spent the rest of the night eating pancakes and talking, And one by one, their friends left until it was just Julie and Gabe. When the sun started to peep through the windows of the diner, they reluctantly decided it was time to head back to their respective dorms to get ready for class. Gabe walked her back, this time with his arm around her as she snuggled into his shoulder. She was hoping he might kiss her goodbye, but when they got to her building, they were both surprised to see the flashing blue lights of police cars. There were police all over the entrance, and Julie and Gabe were both puzzled. I wonder what happened. They decided to meet for lunch so that she could fill him in, 
Then Julie slipped inside the building, a smile on her face despite the unusual police activity. She couldn't wait to tell Lizzie what had happened. She trotted up the stairs and down her hallway, but as she approached her room, she realized that something was wrong. The door was wide open, and there was police tape marking it off. Lizzie? Julie ran down the hall, pushing past the officer who tried to hold her back from going into the room. She burst through the yellow crime scene tape, her eyes taking in the horrific scene before her. Lizzie? Lizzie was dead, and there was blood everywhere. Julie gasped, and she wasn't sure if she was going to burst into tears or throw up. The police officer had his arms around her and was pulling her away when she saw it. The image that would haunt her dreams for the rest of her life. Written on the wall in Lizzie's blood were the words, Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? (gasps) So the killer was in the room when she went to go get her wallet? It would seem that way. Whoa. Okay, so now I'm also never going to go to college. Olivia, you're going to have to go to college if you want to be a veterinarian. A very noble profession, Olivia. I'm sure you'd be very good at it. Hmm. I hate the vet. When have you ever been to a veterinarian? I saw one once. Just went for a pedicure and they commented on my weight. Never went again. Ogremolkin, I think you're perfect. Okay, maybe you would be a good vet. Oh, I just remembered. I have your snack. Maybe even a great vet. Here, you said you were on a quest to eat all kinds of seafood, so I brought you the most exotic thing I could find. Lionfish. Lionfish? They're poisonous. Are you trying to kill me? Only their fins are poisonous. It's safe, Grimalkin. I helped Olivia special order it at the grocery store. They wouldn't sell it to humans if it wasn't safe. Hmm. Did you bring me the poisonous bits, too? Of course not. Darn. I was thinking they might be a good additive for someone's tea. Hmm. Like you would make the tea. I brought it raw because I didn't know how you might like it. Ooh, smells delicious. Oh, I haven't had this experience in years. Checking a fish off my bucket list delightful. What does it taste like? A bit like lobster. Or shrimp. Ooh, I bet this would just sing with a bit of lime juice. I wonder what it tastes like cooked. Boz, make yourself useful and put some of this on a rock by the fire. I want to see what it tastes like with a bit of char. Oh, I'm so glad you like it. You have outdone yourself, dear Olivia. Dear Olivia. My, my, my. Olivia, I hope you're recording that. You'll never hear it again. I think the lionfish is making me feel... happy? Is that the feeling I'm feeling? I suddenly... like... all of you. Even you, dog. Well, I know what I'll be slipping into your tea. We have sandwiches for you too, Barnaby. Meatball. Oh, could you place mine by the fire as well? A toasty sandwich sounds like just the thing on this chilly day. Sure does. I wish we had some toasty sandwiches. Unlike Grimalkin, I would be happy to share. If anyone wants to try the lionfish, feel free. Wait. Did I actually just say that? Don't listen to me. I'm under a spell. Touch my lionfish and you'll die. And she's back. While our food is warming, 
How about another story? Yikes! I hope Mom and Dad can make it home okay. Nadja watched the rest of the weather report, hoping for better news while petting the family dog, Mochi. Her parents had been gone all day attending a conference a couple of hours away. They were supposed to be home by dinner, but as it grew darker and darker outside with no word, Nadja began to get nervous. She had switched to a sitcom and was absentmindedly braiding Mochi's bangs when the phone rang. Hello? Hey, honey. Mom, where are you? Well, I don't have good news. It looks like we won't be able to get home tonight. What? The snow started earlier than we expected, and we ended up sliding off the road into a ditch. Your dad and I are fine, but the car is a little banged up, and we had to get a tow truck. We're at a hotel now, and I I think we're going to be stuck here for the night. Oh, no. I know, honey. I'm so frustrated. We tried to see if we could rent a car or find a different way home, but everything is closing up because of the storms. Would you like me to see if you can go to Helen's house for the night? She's at her dad's house this weekend. Oh, right. Well, uh, how about Ms. Lennon next door? I bet she wouldn't mind if you spent the night with her. I think that might be a little weird, Mom. She used to babysit you all the time. When I was five. Plus, Henry's home visiting right now. She won't have a spare room. about spending the night by yourself. Can I invite everyone over from school and have a party? No. I'm kidding. I'll be fine. I've got mochi, so I won't really be alone. Are you sure? Positive. Okay. Well, there's pizza in the freezer, and I'll let Ms. Lennon know that you're home alone so she can help keep an eye out. Now go get a pen and paper so I can give you the number to the hotel. Nadja's mom gave her a few more instructions for her first night home alone, Then they said their goodbyes and hung up. Well, Mochi, looks like it's just you and me. What should we do? Nadja had always wondered what it would be like to spend the night by herself, but now that it was happening, she was at a loss of what to do. She threw a pizza in the oven and channel surfed until she found a good movie, then settled in for a night in front of the TV with Mochi. She found herself drifting off on the couch a couple of hours later and sleepily pulled the throw blanket over them both as Mochi snuggled in next to her. (sighs) So much for a wild night without parents. She hadn't been asleep for very long when the movie ended and Nadja awoke to music blaring as this channel switched over to the next show. She scrambled for the remote and hit mute, panting at the sudden shift from being asleep to wide awake. As she tried to get her bearings, she felt Mochi stiffen beside her. What is it, Mochi? Did that scare you too? Mochi seemed to be listening for something, her focus set on something behind the couch. Nadja turned quickly, but to her great relief, there was nothing there. Mochi, you scared me. Nadja shook her head and stood up, stretching. Mochi, like most small dogs, was so overprotective of her humans that she often tried to fight anything around her, including small bugs and thin air. Nadja walked over to the large glass sliding doors that led from their living room to the backyard and pulled the curtains to the side. 
She watched as big, fluffy flakes of snow fell from the sky, covering the dirty, patchy snow from earlier in the week with a fresh, white blanket. Do you need to go out? Nadja had her fingers on the lock and was about to open the door when something caught her eye. She rubbed the sleep out of her eyes and squinted, then froze in horror when she realized what she was looking at. Staring back at her was a man. He was wearing a hooded jacket and his dark eyes seemed to bore through her own into her very soul. She stood, unable to think, unable to move, until her eyes shifted down to the man's hand to see that he was holding a large knife. Springing into action, she threw the curtains closed, grabbed the phone, and jumped back onto the couch, pulling the blanket over her head, with Mochi scrambling to join her underneath. She quickly dialed Miss Lennon's number, and her neighbor answered sleepily. Hello? Miss Lennon? It's Nadja. There's someone in my backyard with a knife. What? Oh my goodness. Stay right where you are. I'm sending Henry over, and I'll call the police. Henry? Nadja heard Miss Lennon call for Henry, her 28-year-old son. I have to get off the phone to call the police, but Henry is on his way, okay? Okay. It's gonna be alright, sweetheart. Miss Lennon hung up, but Nadja continued to clutch the phone, her eyes closed tight. She gripped Mochi to her with her other arm, trying her best not to start shaking. Mochi started to growl. It's okay, Mochi. It's okay. Nadja was talking to Mochi, but she knew she was trying to reassure herself. She suddenly felt empty, like her insides had turned to liquid and had drained out of her onto the floor. She felt tears trying to squeeze themselves out of her eyes, and she was struggling to breathe under the confines of the blanket. She was trying to get brave enough to maybe peek out from behind it and see if Henry was in her yard yet, when she felt the blanket being jerked off her head. (coughs) Nadja! Nadja, it's me! It's Henry! Are you okay? Oh my god, you scared me to death! Did you find him? Was he there? I looked in the backyard, but I didn't see anything. Not even footprints in the snow. So I came inside and... Nadja? I think you'd better see this. Nadja slowly looked over the back of the couch where Henry had been pointing. She saw his wet footprints circling around to where he was standing. But beside that, there was another set of footprints. Bits of snow still marking the treads, too fresh to have melted yet. Looking at those footprints, she realized that the man hadn't been in her backyard at all. What she had seen in the window was his reflection, and the man had been standing directly behind her. Whoa. Good one. (laughs) What is up with all these dudes going after girls? (sighs) Toxic masculinity. It's a real problem. Ooh, I think my fish is ready. Bring it over to me and drop it into my mouth like a servant feeding grapes to a queen. Do not do that for her. Aw, I don't mind. I think the way she eats is cute. I'm warning you. Do it once and she'll expect it every time. Don't listen to him. Just think about how cute I am. Huh. Your sandwich is ready too, Barnaby. Split it up amongst all of us, would you, Boz? You all can have a little snack before you go. While we're eating our snack, how about another story? I don't know about that, Naomi. I need to go and check on Mamichka. Well, I had one in mind. It's an older story, so I thought you might know it. Oh, which one? I was wondering if you could tell us about Vasilisa the Beautiful. What did you just say? 
Vasilisa, am I saying it right? Why do you want to hear that story? I was just wondering if you knew it. Know it? Of course we Here, Grimalkin, let me help Olivia feed you. The bites she's giving you are much too small. Okay, I get it. No more stories today. Sorry, Naomi, but we really must go and check on Mamichka. Can I trust you all to put out the fire and find your own way back? Sure, but... There's a bucket of water by the trough there. Come on, Grimalkin. But I haven't finished my... Look, all gone. Now we really must go. I'll make sure to bring Dave's shirt to Mamichka, and she can help you with that next time. Bye now. Don't you want your... Ta-ta, farewell, sayonara. Grimalkin, you were going to tell them about Vasilisa? They asked, and if anyone knows that story... Don't you know what that means? If they asked about that story specifically, it means... Oh, no. They know. They know. Mm. Mamichka's not going to like this. The one thing I know, Grimalkin, is that between this and showing the children what you showed them, whatever happens as a result of today's visit is all your fault. Thank you for listening to the Witch in the Woods podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on social media at the Witch in the Woods Pod. And don't forget, you can send me fan mail at grimalkinthegreat at gmail.com. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-K-I-N, the great, at gmail.com. The Witch in the Woods podcast is a zombie burrito production and was created, written, and executive produced by Becky McLaughlin. Season 1 was directed by Michael Ackerman and stars Maddox Butler, Riley Meehan, Kryn McLaughlin, Astoria McLaughlin, Becky McLaughlin, John Furr, Caitlin Stafford, and Emily Emerson. Aren't You Glad You Didn't Turn on the Light was directed by Janelle Fuller and Becky McLaughlin and features the voice talents of Laura Iani as Julie and Sarah Jenkins as Lizzie. The Reflection in the Window was directed by Ken Ashford, featuring the voice talents of Laura Iani as Nadja, Janice Lovett as Ms. Lennon, Caleb Cabanis as Henry, and Becky McLaughlin as the newscaster. Edited by Becky McLaughlin with sounds from zapsplat.com. Thank you for listening and a huge thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Billy and Lynn Hill, Rob Taylor, Sarah Bowers, Kristen Machado, and Amanda Wills. We are so grateful for your support. Until next time. <laughs>